0: I began to see this pattern where guys were just struggling, where guys are like, my identity is totally fixed to my sport. My identity is, and who I am, my value is tied to my performance. And they're like, but I'm no longer playing. This is where you're meant to be. Like, I know it. I've never- My best self the- is better than every single person who's gonna walk on that platform that path. Gosh, man, that was a was moment to change my life, man.
1: Work harder than everyone else and just keep going. Get up and do it again and again and again. Journey to a better you starts right now. Hey, what's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Better Than Yesterday podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in this week. My guest today is Jonathan Van Horn, the founder of Shift and the host of the Shift Podcast. Jonathan helps athletes transition to through life after playing sports so i think this is a really cool episode regardless if you played college sports if you played professional sports or you've never played a day of sports in your life so i hope you guys take a lot away from this one and enjoy got to know a little bit of your story we actually have pretty similar backgrounds as former uh d3 standouts and then kind of you have to move on you have to do something else so
0: yeah yeah, it's uh, yeah. So I, I played at Ohio Wesleyan University, just outside of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I was a uh, I, I was the the kid that went to uh, a podunk. I went to a tiny school up in in Michigan. Like there was uh 17 kids in my graduating class. Oh wow! Like that's nuts. yeah. <laughs> so just tiny, right? And so uh, there was it was a space. The school is we had uh, all of the, basically all of like, except for like four of the, of the boys in the school played soccer. Like, so that was like, (laughs) it's so, small. And so, yeah. And it just by, by happenstance, I don't believe, I don't believe in coincidences. I think there's life. We have things happen for a reason. Uh, and there's, there's a good can be taken from any situation. Uh, even, even in some of the horrific things that happen in in our world, uh, you can find good in those moments. And, uh, Yeah, I ended up getting seen by a scout uh, for Ohio Wesleyan uh, who was actually the referee of a game I was playing in. (laughs) So I wasn't even scouting the game. He was there uh, reffing the game to make some extra cash. And he approached me after the game and was like, hey, have you decided on going where you want to play college ball at? And I'm like, I'm "I'm looking, but not really. And he goes, well, I'm a scout uh, for this school called Ohio Wesleyan University. I'm going to tell him about you. And I'm like, all right, or whatever, you know, Ohio is like, you know, I'm a Michigan fan. So Ohio is like Ohio State. That's the enemy. That's, you know, that's enemy territory. You don't want to go out there, uh, whatever. And then about uh, two weeks later, I got a call from the coach. He's like, hey, we've we've done some research. We really like what we've seen. We've talked to some of the coaches in Michigan. We'd love for you to come down for a visit. And the rest is history. And love the school, Love great coaching staff, had a great experience, had a successful career. And yeah, it was awesome.
1: Yeah, and obviously from from the stuff that you're doing now, I'm sure the transition was tough. So let's just let's just go back to those college days. I know you, I know you had uh, some big accolades. So just walk us through your college career.
0: Yeah, so I was. Uh, the irony was when I was getting recruited. Like I said, I went to a tiny school, and so again, recruited. I was when I walked in. There was a couple guys from from Europe that played with uh, when soccer you have national teams, so they represented the country at a youth level. So we had a couple guys that represent the country in Europe uh, at a youth level, other guys that were like uh, in soccer, they have like a state team, which is like the develop, Olympic development program was a, a state team. And then there was like a, the regional team and then the national team. And the, all the other guys were like regional players, potential national team pool. So like really good, pretty strong, like solid players. And then there was me. <laughs> and uh, my, the coach goes, he's like going around the room, act, I'll come all the accolades and he gets to John, he gets to me. And he goes, all right, John. He's like, Hey, he goes, uh, you're the uh, you're the first exception I've made in ten years. I've actually never seen you play, so you better not <laughs> effing mess this thing up for me. <laughs> He's like, but you're here. I'm like, all right, like whatever. I'm like, I'm like, oh my gosh. And uh, like I said, it came in came in as a freshman. Uh, I was one of the first guys off the bench as a freshman. I was athletic. I was fast, and uh, I was pretty versatile. Uh, my my club team, I played in. I played as a defender and outside back. And then from a high school team, uh, I was uh, a, basically an attacking center midfielder. And so uh, I was able to had experience both sides of the, f- of the defensively and offensively. And so he played me everywhere my freshman year. And then from there was uh, became a three year starter, uh, sophomore, junior, senior year started as a central midfielder. Uh, we won a national championship one year. Uh, was all American, uh, was conference pre- player of the year. Uh, yeah and it was had a great had a very very great career great career very just proud of what, what i was able to accomplish there and uh, a lot of times the coaching staff and the environment uh we were division three but we were definitely uh we uh competed as if we were at like, division one so we trained the entire year uh, just it was we, we played our spring season was all against all the division one teams around us so played ohio state uh Xavier, university of Cincinnati and then we'd also play against a couple of the pro teams uh, uh around ohio and and, Pens- and pennsylvania as well so
1: Wow, that's awesome. And I got to admit, I'm a little bit of a soccer... I don't know if I would call it hater, but I was one of those guys. (laughs) I played baseball. So, you know, I always said guys who are playing soccer, lacrosse, or whatever, can't hit a baseball.
0: Nice. Well, I was was a multi-sport... My dad was crushed. My dad was a baseball guy as well. So I was a center fielder. Uh, And uh, when I was 15, I was basically... I was selected uh for an all-star game to play uh with a like U-15 like the Colt League is what they called it in Michigan and or go pursue soccer. And uh and basically this just because the tournament schedules and just they just conflicted. And my dad was crushed. He was <laughs> absolutely crushed. Uh so yeah I I love playing baseball. Love the game uh but I just uh fell in love with soccer at early age and just wanted to pursue that.
1: Yeah it sounds like you made the right choice. Yeah I did like did, did okay. <laughs> so walk us through With what you're doing at Shift. So basically, we'll go back to your journey in college. So you graduate, and I know this story like you, when you're playing in college, that's all I cared about was I played baseball, but you played soccer. So it's like all soccer, all soccer. And then you're going to the national championship, you're all American. And then one day you play your last game, and that's it. There's not really much else after after that so walk us through that yeah. transition
0: yeah it was it was interesting it was it was hard like uh that that first year uh was was pretty crazy so uh i was planning on i was i went to school to become a teacher i got about halfway through my student teaching my senior year and i realized i don't I want to do that i'm like i can't see myself doing this for the next because teacher is not one of those jobs where you you do it for three or four years and then go do something else like it's if you're a teacher you're a teacher for for a while I was like, I just can't see myself doing this. I can't see myself in this role uh, for the next 20, 30, 40 years. And so I was like, okay, what else is out there? Uh, I enjoy business. I was entrepreneur. I remember, you know, I was six years old, grew up in an apartment complex. I was a hustler. So, hey, I'll I'll wash your dishes for a dime. Like, I'll take your trash out for a nickel. Like, I was always just, you know, wash your car for a dollar, right? And so I was always like trying to hustle and just trying to, a way to make money. And so uh, the uh, business side of things was really intriguing to me. Uh, and just entrepreneurship, and so I'm like, well, let's see if let's what let's go down that route and see, get into business, finance something. Uh, so uh, interviewed with marketing firms, interviewed with uh, a handful of other uh, banks and financial institutions, and just nothing, like just this door closed after door closed after door closed. And so I got introduced to an organization called Athletes in Action, and uh, and they were uh, it's an integration of faith and sport. They work with university and pro athletes. Uh, I was introduced to them when I was in college. And I was approached by the, the, the staff that was working in Major League Soccer. And so he approached me and said, hey, I'd love for you to consider joining Athletes in Action, being a part of our organization. Uh, so I ended up joining with them. Uh, I also got married four months after I graduated college. And so there was just a lot of things, transition happening. And it was really difficult for me in that transition. Uh, I just basically tried to fill my time with other activity. Uh, but it was just it, it was it was hard. And uh, and the thing that really got me the most, looking back, you know, reflect, Obviously, you know, hindsight, 2020 it would reflect. Uh, not having the structure of playing in university was what really got me. Like, and so I just, I felt like it just ebbed and flowed with how I was feeling that day. Oh, I'm tired. I don't want to go train. I don't want to run. Okay, then I just wouldn't go run. Uh, hey, I can eat whatever I want now. I can go get McDonald's or you know, Burger King Whopper, and I just eat like rubbish, you know. And so it just was this the sense of uh, not a lot of structure uh when out of that set, and I just moments of uh of excitement of jubilation, finding a job, getting married, but also just difficulty of hey, I just put on 15 pounds and I'm not I can't do what I used to be able to do. I can't I can't go out and just run uh you know uh <laughs> a six minute mile. Like I can't I can't like I'm a winded and I'm running you know nine minute miles. And I'm like this is whoa, what's going on here? This is new for me. And just then feeling the shame you know, feeling, you know, being an all American conference play of the year, and then struggling to go out and run two miles and just having that, that cycle of, of having excitement moments, good moments, but then also obviously these moments of of insecurity and shame and just struggling in, in that transition.
1: What was your shift moment? Like, did you join a gym or did you like, what, what happened that kind of put that motivation back
0: on you? Uh, To be honest, it was, it was, it was mountains and valleys. And so there was never this moment, especially those first, gosh, up until I was about 30, 33, 34, to be honest, where it was, I would, I would get in these moments where three, four months would go Hey, I'm going to just, I'm going to grit my teeth and just because what I did as an athlete. You just, you know, grind it out. You, you got this. And then all of a sudden the motivation would wane and the discipline wasn't there to max, to match the motivation. And so I'd be motivated for three, four or five months, feel like I'm getting fit again, feeling good, feeling, feeling like the athleticism of coming back. And then I would start to coast again and then the discipline would, would falter. And then I would struggle for three or four months, you know, put some more weight on or whatever. And then, and then I'm like, Oh, I got to get myself back in gear. And then, and it was like a cycle of like almost like every quarter would be like this up and down of just frustration and just, you know, excitement, discouragement, excitement, almost these, like I said, valleys and mountains just, and it was just, that was really, for me, what really, what was hard. Uh, and then there was a term I was 32 and I was still playing, uh, playing in the men's league. And I blew out my ACL. Uh, I did my ACL and uh, both meniscus, and uh, and that just and as soon as as soon as playing got that, I was like, hey, I'm done. Like I'm I cannot play. Like the, they had to take out a lot of the meniscus. It was bone on bone for the most part, and my knee still is now. And I was like, I wasn't sure what to do. And that was that was really for me one of my defining moments. Was was at, was coming out of that surgery. I just moved to North Carolina, uh, and I'm like, I can't I can't play anymore. I can't just go run. It hurts to run because of the bone on bone I go two miles and that was it and I'm like, well I need to find something that can be consistent, something that excites me but also uh, I miss the allure of like the locker room and the banter and the camaraderie and the, the teamwork and that connection. Uh, and that's actually where I, actually where I found crossFit. and that was for, that was one of the things for me. so I've been doing CrossFit for about uh, gosh seven six seven years now and that was that was one of the things for me that was my saving grace of really the turning point for me athletically. Was was uh, was reliving a lot of the dynamic of uh, of having the locker room, the team, the the people around you, to champion you, to ch- challenge you, to push you, to encourage you, uh, and, and having something to wake up at you know four thirty in the morning <laughs> to, to get to the gym, which is uh, crazy, but like that was it, like that was the thing, you know, that was something being able to have that and looking forward to go to the gym and 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 you know. Locking arms with someone else and and having that similar locker room and that camaraderie camaraderie again.
1: Yeah, CrossFit people are crazy. Like little bit, five Five fifteen a.m. It's it's nuts. But yeah, I think I think just having something on the calendar is so important. Like yes. looking into the future because if you you always have a game or you have preseason, whatever it is, and then when that's gone, you're like, oh shit! I actually have to I have to put something on the calendar instead of it being put on for yeah. me.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. Like if it's not scheduled, it's not going to happen. That's that. I'm right there with you. Like I have to put it on the calendar. It has to be there. I have to see it. I remember early on, my dad, my my dad always said this. I didn't understand, you know, you, you know, know, my dad always had these little nuggets of wisdom that I never fully grasped until later in life. And then I go, oh, that totally made sense. But he always said out of sight, out of mind. And I was like, and I'm like, what do you mean? Like, out of sight of the mind. And finally, he was like, well, he's like, I have to I have to write it down. It have to, has have to be he had a, a, a analog calendar. So he'd write all this stuff down with his pencil and that kind of stuff for his, his planner and that. But I'm like, that totally makes sense. And that's totally me. And if I don't schedule it, if I, I don't see it in my calendar, I just forget about it. Or I'll just say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. And that was, yeah. So out of sight, out of mind, that's one of my, my, my data-isms that I actually love.
1: Yeah, I like that. I just read this book called uh, Willpower Doesn't Work and it was basically everything we're talking about like when you willpower does not work. So you can tell yourself, "Yeah, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and go to the gym." But if you don't have a crew that you're relying on, you don't have somebody who's actually going to hold you accountable, you're you're just not going to do it. You're going to go on a new diet and you just you don't go grocery shopping and you're just magically going to make the right choice at lunch. Willpower right. does not work. But when you have, yep. when you have somebody else who's helping you and going through the suck with you, I think that's so important.
0: And that's, and that was, a, like I said, that was a testament of the first 10 years after graduating. I'd have these moments of motivation. Oh, I'm going to get this. I got this. And I would have these, like I said, four or five, four or five months of, of actually getting out, working out, being consistent. And then all of a sudden I'd hit these moments of, uh, I'm a little tired today. I don't want to do that. And that discipline would wane. I wouldn't have that person like that accountability and that, that, that ownership, uh, of, of a team or a, someone, some, a gym or something that's scheduled. And, and I would just wane. I'd fall back in some of those old, old bad habits. And then I would get into that, that negative cycle of, of shame, feeling bad, insecurity, shame, and then just like, Oh, and then, then isolation.
1: Yeah, for sure. And I would just, to the listeners out there, if you don't have a gym membership, go sign up for a CrossFit gym. It'll, I promise you, it will be the best thing that you can possibly oh, yes. do.
0: And, and I, I, yeah, to, to, to double on that, like I was so, at first I was so hesitant, like, cause I heard people like, oh yeah, they're, you know, the CrossFit gyms, they're going to destroy your shoulders. They're going to be all this bad technique. You're going to go to, you're going to have to see the orthopedic surgeon. And so I dragged, I dragged my feet for, for a few months before joining, and, I'm, and I, gosh, it's one of the best decisions I've made for my body physically, emotionally, uh, yeah, in the last, like I said, seven plus years, however long I've been doing now. I absolutely love it.
1: So at what point did you identify that other people were going through this too? It wasn't you just struggling through life. Like, When did yeah. you notice that other athletes needed this kind of kick in the ass too?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was one of those things. As I was working with athletes, so I was working with university athletes, and then started working with pro athletes about 14, 15 years ago, with athletes in action, and also with, with shift. And and as I was working with them when they're competing, it was one thing. But I, I'm I'm huge into relationships in the sense of uh, it's it's not like hey, once you're done with the team, you're you're no longer out of my li- in my life. And so I would just journey with guys. And so uh, this first couple of years in the pr- with working with pros, it was one thing. But is that year three, four, and five. When there was guys that I was mentoring and, and just building into their life, helping them as, as, a, as a man, as a, as a footballer, as a professional athlete, and then also uh, just what it, what it means to live his life well. As I was navigating that space and they began to retire, I began to see this pattern where guys were just struggling, where guys are like, my identity is totally fixed to my sport. My identity is in who I am. My value is tied to my performance. And they're like, but I'm no longer playing. So am I really, do I have any value And, and the, the, do I really matter in this world? And just all of these, this doubt and insecurities and just struggling with identity. And that was really when it began to say, okay, there's, this is, there's more here than just, just some of my thoughts. Cause I was, I was reminiscing some of the, the same ideas or notions that I had when I was 22, 23, 24, graduating from university. And I'm like, okay, maybe it's not just me. And and that was really began to to dive a little bit deeper into asking some of these poignant questions of, hey, what are what what are you telling yourself? And and that was significant, but it began to dive a little bit deeper with these athletes. Uh some guys even talking about just depression, mental health issues, even to the point there's one guy who was like, Hey, I'm just I have suicidal thoughts. I'm like, that's not, that's not okay. Like we need to get you help. Like that's we need to get you a counselor. Like we need to just someone to, to, to dive into this space. Cause that's not, that's not healthy. And he was, and he had, he ended up having a career ending injury. And that was one of the things that he was wrestling with. Is was like, well, I guess I have no value. What do I guess I'm, I have nothing else to live for? And so those are some of the moment of the conversations where it's like, okay, this is significant. This in this athletic space, the further you go up university and pro level elite level Olympians, uh, when so much of who they are uh, is tied to what they do as a sport, and that sport is then taken away, it's it's devastating. And so, and you, and, they, and you see that you see that at every level. As soon as that that game is gone, and you're done playing, you've seen it with high school athletes, and university athletes, and with pro athletes. Uh, so much of what they do is is tied to some who they are is tied to what they do, and it's helping navigate that.
1: Yeah. And any game that you play, it's going to come to an end, like, regardless of the, the highest level that you can make it. It's like, all right, you got to, it's real life. You know, it's not just like you, there comes a point where you can't play soccer forever. You can't play baseball forever. Even if you are Mike Trout and you've been in the MLB forever. Like there comes a point, and I'm right. I'm guessing most guys don't just want to retire at 28, 30 years old and not work a day in their life. So,
0: yeah, well, and I and I think a lot of the guys when they struggle with that transition, it's it's not even knowing what to do or the, the thought of when you're excellent when you're a pro or you're excellent even at university level. The numbers are staggering because the fact that we've played university sport is unbelievable. Like the numbers, like I said, the data out there, of what we've accomplished, even at division three level is, is significant. Not many people get that opportunity. Uh, but just the reality is, is that once you step outside of that, it's like, I have to go back to being a rookie again. I have to be back to being a freshman again. <laughs> and at 22, it's one thing. But when you're, like I said, 28, 29, 30 years old, and you have to go back to being you know, you're in a room with the, you know, the 21, 22 year old kid, who's fresh out of college, and it's like, man, I have to, I'm, I'm back at the, the bare minimum. And you're like, I can't believe this. I've been making crazy cash, and now I have to go back and start over as an intern, or as a first year employee of a, of a, of a uh, some company, and that's just, that's, that's so heavy emotional and the mental wear that the athletes go through in that space is, is really can be really difficult.
1: So, is this a process that you're going through when guys are playing, or do you come in after guys retire?
0: Uh, it's, it's quick. The earlier I can get them, the the better. So, I, like I said, I work, I've, so I've done some stuff with universities. So I'm in Raleigh. So, I've done some stuff with uh, University of North Carolina. Uh, I've done it with some of the guys at Duke uh, and, uh, and uh, also at NC State. And then, uh, and then, yeah, with the pro guys, even the rookies. So in soccer, you'll get like the, t- the pro team here in North Carolina. We'll have 16, 17-year-olds uh, that are coming up. That And a couple 18-year-olds, they'll sign pro contracts. And so even then, I'm like, hey, like this is something that you need to think about. Because everyone thinks they're going to play till they're 40 or forever. But like, what the reality is, is by 28, 29, you're, you're done. And you have so much more of your life ahead of you uh, to experience and to live and to be successful and to, to, to enjoy. Uh, so you can't just be thinking about the moment and that's but like I say, you remember being 21, 22, and you think you're going to live forever.
1: Yeah. It's everything at <laughs> right. that point.
0: Yeah. And so it's just, it's helping, it's helping guys realize that and the importance of that. And that's one of the reasons why I started the shift podcast. That's why I've, with the content of writing, I'm in the process of writing a, a book be published this summer. Uh, is to help guys re- recognize and share the stories of other athletes uh, so they can see the guy that has made it, that has had the 12-year uh, successful professional career and going, I wish when I was 20 I started to, started working on this stuff and leveraged my opportunities and, and stepped into and the networks I created or the networks that were afforded to me as a, as a professional athlete or even as a, as a university athlete. I wish I would have leveraged those and taken advantage of those opportunities then versus waiting till now and starting all over again.
1: Yeah. And I, I even saw guys at the division three level who didn't go to class or, you know, just didn't do much in school. And it's like, yeah. dude, you're not going to be on the basketball team in a year from now. That's You got to get a yeah. job and like you have to go to a job interview and be able to articulate, articulate yourself really well And you're not practicing this stuff because you're only focused on the game tonight at seven.
0: That's right. right. And it's, it's, and it's hard too. like, like, obviously this is not total. This is not scientific at all. This is just experience on my end. Uh, But basically it's similar to a bell curve. There's like 15% of the athletes that I've worked with that they're, they're like, they've already done it. They know exactly what they want to do. Once they're done playing, they've already started. They've already either, they starting to pursue their master's degree or, They've already started a company and they already got their side hustle going in addition to this. So they're, they're set. And you have your bottom 50%, 15% that no matter what you say, they could care less. They will never listen to you. They don't care. Like it, It's like talking to a stone wall. But it's that middle 70% that there could go either way. They either go, yeah, this totally makes sense. I'm going to start preparing for life after playing or I'll do nothing or they'll have like, hey, I'll just do it once I'm done. And so it's, and when you look at life and the people that we're, we engage with is that if I focus all my effort on that low 15%, the reality is that I'm going to bang my head against the wall the entire time. And it'll be so frustrating. But if I can invest in that top 15% that are already in it and empower them to build into the other 70% and bring other people along, other athletes along, encourage them, get opportunity to share their stories, the impact is exponentially increased and that's really what what I want to go after, and it's the same it's the same in business same in life uh whether it's in communities or in, in neighborhoods is that you find the people that are already bought in and you the, the early adapters what early adopters what do you want to, what do you want to call them and you tap into that space and empower them and increase their influence with those that could go either way with that middle 70% and again the positive impact that you could have as a result of that exponentially increases Uh, So often we want to go after the problem person or the person that's you know, that's saying no all the time. And the reality is we put so much energy sometimes in those people and they just drain you. Uh, And there's not much result or much fruit of the labor that you're putting in. And so it's not that you want to neglect them, but the reality is is that you want to make, you want to make the most of your investment, whether it's your time, it's your resources uh, and who you are. And so as a result of that, you want, you want your investment to, to, to flourish and to have a greater impact in society and the spaces in which you're, you've you been entrusted.
1: I feel like you're just dropping knowledge bombs on human behavior <laughs> right now.
0: <laughs> it's just like, I
1: think that top 15 and bottom 15% and then the middle is like everything in life. You can focus on yes. the, top fi- the top 15%, put all your investment in the stuff that you like doing, or you can focus on that bottom 15%, the stuff that you hate doing. And I think so many people out there are spending time on that 15% being like, Oh, I hate my life. I hate everything that's going on when you could be cultivating that top 15.
0: Absolutely. And it's, and it's, and I think the beauty of it, I think, you know, when you find like-minded people around you, uh, we're not, I think as humans, we're not intended to do life on our own. We're, we're intended to do life in community. Again, that was one of the things that really drew me to, to CrossFit was the fact that it was still, it was competitive but it wasn't like, I'm going to, I'm going to smash my, my opponent type competitive. It was like, Hey, I'm competitive. I want to push myself, but was, I was competing against me and I was being championed and encouraged by the person next to me. I, there was competition there, but it was a sense of, Hey, you did better. Than that. That's awesome. Great job today. Cause I actually pr how cool was that? And so it was a sense of camaraderie and connection and challenge that spurred me on and i think there's so, that's so true in life as well and it's finding the right people to have around you to building your tribe building your team around you uh, to be able to to bring out the best in you but also in those moments of uh, of saying hey you know what you're not really acting like yourself today like this isn't you like and and being willing to call you out and say hey man this isn't this isn't your best self this isn't who you who you're designed to be you're acting like someone that's different than who you are, so what's going on? What's up? And so having those people around you to be able to affirm uh, your best self, but also having those people around you to challenge you and to push you when you're not acting like your best is so is so important. And so having that intentional community, and then and that takes that takes focus, it takes intentionality, knowing you know, like as a coach, I'm not, sure, I'm not sure if you've ever coached before, but as a coach, you're looking for specific uh, specific players to fit certain roles so you can maximize the impact and the the results of a team. It's the same in life is that you want to bring people around you that are going to are gonna maximize, help you maximize, be at your best, but also maximize influence the, the culture and the community in which you've been placed.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. That community is so important. And I was thinking today I work from home right now and I didn't talk at all today until I got to the gym and I was like, my voice sounded all weird and I just felt kind of weird. And then once I got to the gym, I started talking to people. I was like, people don't have this. Like people just, especially if you're working from home, you don't have a girlfriend, you don't live with somebody, you're just floating around in life right now. So I think, yeah, just having those people. And yeah, what you said, having people who will call you out when you're not sticking to your principles, that's so important. Like if you have a bunch of people around you who want to tell you how great you are, you're just never going to grow. If you have people who say, Hey, you said you were gonna do this class at five a.m. You didn't come.
0: Yeah, what's up? I know, like having that—it's awesome. Like we're like you're missed. Like and it's it's having that sense of having the sense of belonging. You know, that's something. Another thing I think as humans we crave is a sense of belonging and being known. Uh, and that's something at, at a gym you, you're able to experience that. It's like, hey, I'm I'm a part of something bigger than, than just me uh and when you do when you don't show up they're like hey we missed you like where were you at what's up or you said hey i'm gonna be there and then you don't show up there they'll call you out going hey what's up man like you bailed on us like what what's going on and so being able to 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 have that those conversations and, and having those people around you is so so imperative
1: yeah so you mentioned the book and the podcast i got got a chance to listen to a few of your episodes talking with some pro athletes so what are you doing with with both of those things
0: yeah. So a podcast, we actually just relaunched, uh, uh, this, this summer actually gearing up for the book. Uh, the book is in the final editing marketing phases right now. So it'll be coming out this summer. So super stoked about that. Uh, and it's just, it's uh, it's called shift the athletes playbook, five proven steps to life after sport. And it's just a framework for athlete transition, uh, you know, transitions, they, they create opportunities. And, uh, you prepare for these little moments. That's one of the things I've actually really learned in CrossFit is, is the technique. I was, my technique was awful when I started, but when I realized these different transitional moments with uh, the, whether with a, with a snatch or with a clean, or just even that we're doing split jerks today. So even like single, we're doing single arm split jerks this morning. I'm like these little movements, these techniques and these transitions of different parts of your body. When you have that proper technique, you're able to put up so much more weight than you think you can. And, and so, but it's maximizing those transitions and that's what shift is all about. It's helping athletes maximize the transitions, uh, whether it's small. So I'm, I'm injured and I'm coming back from being injured or I got traded mid-season, uh, a natural transition or, uh, the, the, the really big transition is retirement and being, or being forced to retire or injury or whatever it may be, uh, to transition to life after playing professionally. So it's a framework to help athletes and equip athletes to be successful in those transitions.
1: Yeah. I love that.
0: And what about
1: the people who are an athletes, The people who didn't go to college to play sports, I think every everyone's obviously facing transition right now. We're in a huge transition. You might have started a new job, you might have, you know, moved or whatever. But like, what do you tell those people? Like, how how yeah. does that transition work?
0: Great question, great question. Yeah, the uh, within shift, the framework actually starts with uh, something that we all deal with as humans, and it's it's answering two questions: uh, Who am I? And then who's am I? And so they're answering the first question of who am I? It's, it's what makes up me. And so discovering like, if, if who I am is based on my performance. So as a pro athlete, it's my stats, it's my data, the size of the contract, whatever, maybe, but someone that maybe not be an athlete, it could be, you know, did I hit my sales quota this month? Uh, what's my, what's my, what's my salary? Uh, did I get my quarterly bonus? Uh, you know, you've, types of stuff like that. What car am I driving? Stuff like that. So that's answering those questions of who am I? And I'm truly, I'm a truly bu- true believer in that. Our identity answering that question needs to be something that is inside of us and also something that can't be taken away. Uh, so it's, it's character. It's, it's a reflection of what is my best true self uh, as well as it's a, it's a, uh, it's something that can not be taken away. Like uh, uh, maybe a family heritage or, or maybe the, the fan, the circle in which you're in, like, it's a sense of, uh, I can't change the fact that I'm a Van Horn, <laughs> like no matter, even if I change my name, it still doesn't change the fact that I'm like, that's, that's part of my, it's part of who I am. Uh, the fact that I I'm from Michigan originally, like that's something that can be changed. I can, I can, that's part of who I am. Uh, so they just it's understand what are those things? Uh, my faith for me is really important. So that's part of who I am. That's something that can't be taken away. Uh, so it's understanding answering the question. And then the answer to the second question of whose am I, it's a, uh, it's an area of worship. And and worship is basically just adoration or paying homage or uh, a praise to something or someone. And so, so often in sport, we're doing that to the sport that we compete in. I want to pay homage. I I owe uh, I owe money to not money, but owe, owe my time and my treasures, and my resources to this this sport. And so, or it could be to the job, or to this company, or it could be to this person, or to fame, or to fill in the blank. And so that's really the first step in shift is is starting now, and that start now is really looking at identity.
1: Yeah, I think having that awareness piece is huge. Like, and for me, it's just going for a walk and not bringing my phone, or just just doing small stuff like lay on the couch for ten minutes, close your eyes, and just see the thoughts that come through your head. And it's crazy, like how how ten minutes. You're like, oh my God. <laughs> There's so many different thoughts. But I think if you can get if you can get past that original stuff, those that's when you start answering the question, who am I? What do I care about? What am I put on this earth to do? I think those are big questions for anybody, regardless if you're a professional athlete or you're just an average show.
0: Absolutely. And it's and that's part of the process and part of the learning process of understanding who we are is that is that like you just mentioned the self awareness, is growing in that self awareness. Uh, the further in anything that you do, whether it's like I said business finance, real estate, the more successful we become, the more a- acute, uh, the details and more aware of what's happening in that space. Uh, and the same is true for us as a human is that you begin to learn of what, what makes me tick? Like, what do I enjoy? What, what gives me life, but also recognizing the reality that that can also change. Uh, I do some, some, uh, like, uh, with something of the do like premarital counseling to help. Like, maybe they're dating. They want to get married, just start to help just having some of these basic conversations. And, uh, I heard this, uh, a guy talk years and years ago. He goes, I know so often we want a desire to desire to, marry our our soulmate. And they're like, uh, the reality is, is, uh, if you marry your soulmate two years from now, they probably won't be your soulmate. He goes, but if you didn't marry your soulmate, give it two years and maybe they'll become your soulmate. <laughs> And his whole point was just the fact that we change as humans, we change. And and that's okay. Uh, but there's just the importance of hey, that is recognizing that, that we are gonna change. We are we are we, we're developing and we're cultivating and we're growing and part of that process is self awareness.
1: Yeah. And I think success is such a terrible teacher. Cause no matter what you do, if at work you get the bonus, you start feeling good or your podcast starts blowing up a little bit and you start you know, you attach you attach how you feel about it to the numbers or to to whatever whatever that higher power that you mentioned and it's like no just do what you enjoy like do yeah. it because it's you exactly want right. to do it and i think i think there's so many people out there who just need to just let go of the performance and just see what happens like just try something don't be afraid to do it and you never know yeah. like if you're not tied into the results i think the results are Way much more than you can ever expect.
0: Yep, and when you have that sense of if I'm if I'm going to be at my best today from a character standpoint, from a mentality standpoint, from a mindset standpoint, the the reality is that most the results more more often than not will take care of themselves. uh And that's I think that's the, that's the beauty of it is that you get to focus on how like I said how do I get better to like what is today how does today get better like what does that look like how do I I've like, done I was trying to read your the better, better than yesterday. I was trying to read the cursive in the background and you I was like, Oh no, I'm like I'm on my phone going up, something like that. Yeah. Better than better than yesterday. I love that. Like it's that sense of uh, how do I can, what does look, what does it look like to be a half a percent or a percent or a quarter of a percent better today than I was yesterday. Uh, and knowing that in that progression, uh, it's there, there's beauty in that motion. And, and as a result of, of improving and developing, uh, but again, the, the results, more often than not, will take care of themselves.
1: Yeah. And it's better than yesterday for a reason. It's not better than anyone else or anything. It's just yes. it's I mean, yep. it's something that I can go to bed with every night and think, did I stick to my principles? Did I do what I know is going to make me a healthier person? Did I do all these things that I want for myself? So I think, yeah, and, and shift, I think, is a great way for athletes and people who are just working jobs who just need, need a little push. I think it's awesome what you're doing.
0: Yeah. Thanks. Appreciate it. Yeah. It's, I think part of it is is wanting also to give people an opportunity to share their story. You know, our stories have power. And again, that's more of reason why I started the podcast, the shift podcast. And I, I've been really, I've enjoyed listening to some of your podcasts as well and hearing the stories of uh, whether it's be weightlifters, uh, Olympians or junior Olympians or Pan game athletes, uh, as well as uh, some of the cross, the CrossFit space as well. And it's just, our stories have have so much influence and the more we we tell our stories, the the more the influence impact increases, but also the greater and more acute our awareness of ourselves becomes. Yeah. Uh, which is like, I just say, even as you say the same story over and over again, there's more details that as you keep telling it come out and there's just more things that you remember as a result of, of that, of, re, of retelling that story over and over and over again. And there's, there's power in that.
1: Yeah, I love that. So I will link up the Shift podcast in the show notes. Where can we go if we want to stay awesome. tuned with the book?
0: Yeah, it's uh, Shift My Story. Again, the intentionality of sharing. So shiftmystory.com. Uh, you can go there get a little bit of the book. Uh, it's launching this summer. If you guys want to, any of your listeners or yourself want to help out with the, with the launch team, we're in the process of putting a launch team together. You will get some super bonuses, uh, audio book, and we're doing some other some other really cool opportunities, Some uh, potentially some coaching. And some other stuff in there as well to uh, just to help encourage people and just as a thank you to uh, for being involved in the process of getting the word out there about the book.
1: Well, cool, Jonathan. Thanks so much for coming on and uh, keep spreading the good word.
0: Thanks. Appreciate it.
1: Once again, thanks so much to Jonathan for coming on the show. Really appreciate it. Getting the chance to know him a little bit more. If you want to stay up to date with everything he's doing, all of his links are in the show notes. So you can just head to his Instagram and his website right from there. If you guys are feeling generous this week, just leave a five-star rating for the show on iTunes and share it out with a friend. Just let somebody know that you enjoyed this episode. So thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to another episode next week.